all the latest updates on your local and regional sports. This is Sports Talk on 92 WICB Ithaca. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of WICB Sports Talk, your home for the latest sports news, scores, and storylines from the local Ithaca area. I'm your host, Tobias Zabore. Tonight, we take a closer look at New York sports outside of Ithaca's South Hill. We sat down with Michael Nemhard, the head coach of Newfield Boys Basketball Team. Nemhard coached the Newfield Boys to winning this year's Class C Boys Basketball Championship. Our own Jackson Lawrence sat down with them to discuss the team's run to the state championship. Hello everyone, I'm Jackson Lawrence, joined alongside Newfield head basketball coach Mike Nimbard, and now state champion. So coach, how, how you feeling and uh, is this still settling in for you about five days later? And, and first of all, just thank you for coming on to talk. Oh, no problem, Jackson. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm still still on some type of cloud and <laughs> somewhere, you know, just enjoying this whole thing and taking it all in right now. I'm just still in disbelief. You know, I'm kind of pinching myself every day, you know, about um, the journey that we had to get to the state title, and you know, I'm just I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, and and first we could circle back to to your journey with the state semifinal game. Uh, I was there; it was a great game, and um, you guys found yourself battling with the number one team in the state, uh, Pearson. So obviously, another game um, where you guys were the underdogs based on rankings coming in, but. Um, you guys were down by nine in the fourth quarter and and willed your way to a comeback. So um, I mean, you mentioned before it was it was defense, but but what else really uh, willed that comeback for you guys just to get to the finals? Um, it was just the, it was just the, the will to win. You know, these guys really dug in deep. They were, they really wanted to win and they really wanted to uh, you know advance to the the championship game. And you know, as you said that. You know, defense is what got it. We had to make some adjustments, you know, because our, uh, our, our, our two-three zone wasn't getting out on the shooter quick enough. And, you know, they knocked down some, some key shots. So, you know, I had to make an adjustment defensively, you know, to go full-court man. And those guys dug deep. They, they, they pressured, got some key steals, got some buckets. And, um, you know, gratefully, we got, we got the double. Yeah, and and with that too, you guys, you really you use that motivation and that momentum too in the in the in the finals and championship game. You guys played a really young and talented Stillwater team. They had uh, four. I know they had four sophomores on their starting lineup, um, so no doubt they'll be back. But what was the what was the quick turnaround like for you guys from the semifinals to the championship game, and and how were you able to get it done? Um, it looked like, you know, pretty easily. It was a 25-point win, but I know it was a, a little more difficult uh, than that. So what was just that matchup like in the game like uh, in, in, uh, against Stillwater in the finals? I think the kids were really feeling it. I was feeling it. You know, we had one game to play to claim the, um, to claim the title. I mean, they were intensified. Their energy was up. And they knew that we, like I said, we only needed one more game to be state state champions. I mean... The talk in the locker room was, you know, intensified. You know, I seen it in the guys' eyes. They they really wanted to get out there and show what they got, what they had, you know, what they got as a team. And you know, as you said, um, Stillwater is a great team. They're great coached. You know, they they were greatly coached. And once again, you know, I think our defense, which I preached to the team, 
all years, defense is what's going to win championships. You know, and for us, defense it really turns into great offense for us. And, you know, that's what happened. The kids really locked in, and they were hungry, man. They they, they were hungry. I could see it in their eyes. They were hungry. They they were really feeling feeling on um, being championships. And, you know, we knocked down some jump shots. You know, got, kids were confident enough to just, you know, put put up their shots, and they went in and, you know, Luckily and gracefully, we got the W. Yeah, and with that, too, we, obviously you mentioned defense during the offense. You guys had 87 points offensively. and you know, I know that comes a lot from rebounding, too, and uh, I noticed that was, a, that was a key difference in the game. You guys have some big bodies down low all season with uh, Derek and Garrett Potter. So at what point in the season did you think that those bigs down low, those big guys were, were capable of helping you make a run like this, especially – late in the season where that's one of the biggest keys when you match up against teams? Um, you know, all year, Garrett's been, Garrett's been giving us all he has, you know, you know, behind Garrett, we really, really not that big, mm-hmm. you know, until we brought up Tony Ellison from the JV level. But even though, even then, you know, we got some guys who were smaller than Garrett who had big hearts who will come in and, you know, fill fill the fill the gap whenever Garrett's not in. Um, usually, we would call on Hezekiah McCoy, who's you know not much of a big guy, but his heart is big. He's a, he jump, he's athletic, and you know we usually call on um, Zach Schwobel as well, who's one of our toughest players. You know, he didn't get a chance to play in the finals, but he's one of our toughest players to back mm-hmm. up Garrett. And you know, once again, I, I teach that you know box out and rebounding is the key, you know, to, to win it. And, you know, they did that. They did that. And I'm so proud of them. Yeah, and, and one thing you touched on, too, after the semifinal win, along with that, is you guys were the four seed coming into sectional, so you've been uh, used to being the underdog before. You took down Watkins Glen, uh, Moravia, just to get to the state tournament. So uh, did you guys really embrace that underdog mentality through sectionals and, and to get to that point of the state finals? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you said that because, you know, the kids really kind of get hooked up in the the rankings and and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, me as a coach, I let them know, you know, it's good to be underdogs because, you know, the the team who's favored over us has more pressure than us. Mm -hmm. You know, they really really embrace that. So, you know, we really really don't get caught up and hooked up on the, the rankings and all that kind of stuff. You know, as you see, we beat some really great teams who were highly ranked in Pearson and, and Valley and Watkins Glen and, you know, Moravia. And I think the, the biggest thing and the biggest key was, you know, us going out knowing that we are underdogs. And those kids really put a, had a chip on their shoulder to prove, you know, what type of team or type of players they are. And it, sh- it, 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 it showed, it showed, you know, since we uh, lost the IAC championship game against Moravia, mm-hmm. you know, going into the sectionals, you know, all the rankings and stuff, you know, came out. So, you know, like I said, these kids really had a chip on their shoulder. They really wanted to prove, you know, what type of team we were. And they did that. And they were able to get the state title. Yeah, and I know one guy one guy in particular that kind of talked about it and, and loves uh, being in that is, is Jalen Harbison. He's a great player for you guys. Hit 28 points in the state championship game, and he scored his thousand point as a junior in the state semifinals. So 
Just a, how important has his growth been as a player in the last year and, and to your team in the course of 25 or so games? Uh, anytime you have a player in the uh, caliber of uh, Jaden Hardison, you give yourself a chance to win every game. You know, he, you know, like I said, I've been watching him since fifth and sixth grade, and I knew back then that he was going to be a great player, and it shows. I mean, he's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he's our, he's our go-to guy. You know, he's very humble. You know, he's very talented. And he's just he's just a, 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 a guy to really have on your team. You know, he really loves his teammates. He encourages players. And he's just, he's a talent. He's a talent in his show. You know, he's he really puts his team on our back, on, on his back, and, you know, take us to where we want to go. And he did that. He did that all year round, all year round. You know, never complains, come to practice. And he works hard, you know, he don't do much talking, he just go out and do what he need to do. And I'm just so proud of him and the guys, you know, you know, for what they accomplished this year. You know, beginning of the year, we set this goal, you know, to be state champions. And these guys really put it on their back and they went out and they accomplished it. Yeah. So, so proud of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I read somewhere, too, is that this was your first year as a head coach with these guys. Is that correct? Yeah, this is my this is my first year as the varsity head coach. Yes. I coached the last two years as JV coach, in which we we won the JV um, IAC championship two years ago. Yeah, and, and so this is my first year as the varsity coach. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely, and and with that too, just as a varsity coach for the first time, uh, what's it mean for you personally? Just be able to do this and bring home a state title for a school that's never won it in in your first season as a varsity head coach means a lot it means it means a lot to me it means a lot to the community it means a lot to the program and to the to the kids um you know i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie you know kind of a little pressure you know coming in as the first year varsity coach coaching after uh the great you know chris bubble who've done um great things for this for this program mm-hmm. in the last five or six years but you know he you know he He's my coaching mentor, so to speak. And, you know, I always have the, the confidence in my coaching and, and, and you know, because I know the game and, you know, the guys really locked into my system this year and to show, you know, how great they played. But, you know, it was kind of a little bit of pressure at the beginning, but as the season went by, you know, kind of eased off and I, kind of got a feeling on where we can go as a team and you know thankfully we you know we came up with the um the state title yeah and, and with that too obviously probably a lot of relief off of you what's what's the town been like uh the buzz around the town and the school and with the celebration the last week with these with these kids in school oh it's been it's been unreal it's been it's been unreal we've had you know Police escorts, fire escorts, mm-hmm. escorting us back in when we came back home. Uh, everybody's just in, in an uproar of joy. The parents, the school, the program, you know, the community. You know, they're just, you know, they're still they're in the they're in the cloud as well, just like me. I mean, it's been great. You know, it's been, you know, we made history. You know, out of eighty-four years. There's never been a state title, and we we were able to, to do that this year. 
So the buzz in the town and everywhere is just unreal. It's just unreal. And we, 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 we're taking it in day by day. We enjoy it. Yeah. And, and last question here. I know for you guys, basketball season is all year round. Talk about stuff you do in the spring, summer, fall. And I'm sure next season is already uh, in the back of your mind, started for you a little bit. Uh, state championship game, your top three leading scorers were all underclassmen. So uh, what's the season going to be like next year with a lot of guys coming back? Uh, going to be your second year as a head coach. So uh, you talked about not trying to have that pressure off of you in the beginning of the season, but you guys are going to have the target on your backs as the defending state champion. So what's the mindset going to change uh, like for your team from underdogs to uh, to a team that's been there before with, with a lot of experience coming back? Uh, we're losing five seniors. We're losing two starters in Garrett Porter and um, um, Derek Polowitz. Mm-hmm. And we're losing Jeff Smith, Jose Savaski, and um, Sebastian Rainbow. Um, it's going to be a big loss. You know, losing those guys, especially our starters, Gary Porter and, and Derek, who made a great impact on our run to the title. But we also got some, we also got some guys coming back. You know, who are juniors. We got, you know, we got Jalen Hardison coming back, who's a junior. We'll be a senior next year. We have, uh, we have um, Brody Jackson. We got Trevor Sin. We got Zach Schwobel coming back. Uh, Austin Jenny. Uh, Hezekiah, Hezekiah McCoy. Um, we also got some JV guys who's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Ellison and Greg, Greg Taylor. Um, you know, you know, Carter Adum, you know, those type of guys who are, who are coming back next year. Our focus is, you know, what it was this year. You know, if they, you know, I know we're coming back as the number one team in the state. But our focus is going to be the same, you know, just to work hard as a team, work together, create that family atmosphere that we did all year, and just make a run at it. Play hard, stay to our game plan, and whoever we face, you know, we're going to stay stay with the same game plan that we did all season. You know, hopefully we can, you know, make a long run next year. But we're very excited. I'm very excited next year on what we got coming up. And they are very excited. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And thanks so much for doing this again. And, again, congratulations to you and, and you guys. So, uh, awesome accomplishment, Coach. Hey, hey, Jackson, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jackson. And now here's a look at the scores from the teams on the South Hill this past weekend. The women's lacrosse team bounced back yesterday in a win over Clarkson after losing their first regular season game since April of 2019. On Friday, the Bombers took a 17-16 loss to St. Lawrence University, despite hat-tricks by Megan Motkowski, Madison Butarea, and Caroline Wise. Saturday played out different for the Bombers as they defeated Clarkson 18-8, in large part thanks to Macy Veitch putting up 7 points and 6 goals from Alexa Ritchie. The gymnastics team placed 4th out of 6 places at this year's National Collegiate Gymnastics Association Championships, which were held in Ithaca. The Bombers finished with 192.325 points as a team, just 1.775 points behind the first place, University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Senior Amelia Bailey and first-year Jillian Freightman tied for sixth in the balance beam, while first-year Sky Cohen finished third in all-around competition. Assistant coach Emily Grabber was named the co-East Region Assistant Coach of the Year, 
while Arian Roberts was named the East Region Administrator of the Year. Major League Baseball is back in the swing of things, with spring training fully underway and with many major free agents having found their home. As opening day now just sits 12 days away, WICB Sports Director Matt Sossler sat down with Yankees minor league reporter and WICB's own Eli Fishman to discuss the state of the team. Thanks, Tobiah. For WICB Sports, I'm Matt Sossler. Opening day for Major League Baseball is less than two weeks away. Joining me with further insight on the state of the Yankees is WICB's own and Yankees minor league reporter Eli Fishman. Eli, thanks so much for joining me here on Sports Talk tonight. Yes, of course. Anytime, Matt. And Eli, you just spent a week down at Yankees camp in Tampa. What were some of your initial takeaways from the experience? Yeah, fun week overall. Um, Getting to see some of the top prospects for the Yankees and some of the top prospects in the game. Jason Dominguez, Anthony Volpe, Austin Wells, um, Luis Heal, Luis Medina, um, a lot of a lot of big time names down there, and um, was a lot of fun after the lockout. Obviously, after a long off season to go down there and see a, a straight week of baseball um, inner squads every single day, and there's two different fields on on two different sides, so you kind of walk back and forth, seeing who's up, um, trying to figure out which which guy you want to see, which video you want to get, which game you want to get on video, which game you want to take photos for. Um, so so it's a lot of fun, and after. After a very, very painful offseason and a painful lockout, it was nice to see guys back out on the field, get to see a couple big leaguers, got to see Tim Locastro as well, <laughs> an Ithaca alum, so definitely a great time down there. And Eli, a lot of people who are listening are familiar with how big league camp works, the spring training games, the backfield workouts that they have occasionally towards the early part of camp. What are some differences with minor league camp compared to big league camp? It's a little bit similar, but it's it's a grind for for the minor league guys because what they do is they get there at about six thirty in the morning. They're on the they do some prep work, uh, eat, um, do some do some you know they go in the pool. They have their pools and hot tubs and recovery stuff and weight rooms. They lift from about six thirty to about nine thirty, and then they're on the field from about nine thirty to uh, about twelve. And then at one, they have they have an hour break for lunch and to get ready for a game at one. And then they play inner squad games or take a bus or wherever they play their spring training games at one. Um, so so it's a fun day, and I got to. There were a couple days where I just waited and uh, went to the one o'clock game, but there were a few times where I got there early. You know, got to see some batting practice from Jason Dominguez. Trey Sweeney was their first round pick last year. He made a splash in batting practice. Um, but you know, getting to see the drills they do, they did. You know, a lot of a lot of like fun kids drills where they're they're lying on their face on the grass and they put a ball in the machine and it shoots hundreds of feet up into the air and um, they say get up and they they have to get up and they have to find it in the the Florida sky which is blue and it's <laughs> it's quite hard and it's quite funny seeing professional athletes struggle to find a ball in the air and then run for it and then the base running drills which is always funny seeing you know professional athletes doing small base running drills and sliding practice. So overall, good time. Yeah, you got to love seeing some of the professional athletes, the Yankees minor leaguers, take part in some drills that you, me, even some of the listeners at home might have done as a kid playing Little League ball. And you mentioned a lot of prospects. We'll get to those in just a moment here. But since Major League opening day is first, the Yankees last season had a bit of an abrupt ending in the wild card game to Boston what are some early storylines for this season that we can expect out of the Bronx? Well, there's a lot. And the, the biggest one is comebacks. 
right? There were so many Yankees last year, Q, DJ LeMayhew, uh, Glaber Torres, who had who had serious struggles, Kyle Higashioka behind the plate. That's another storyline, and the fact that who's going to be the Yankees' opening day catcher? You got Kyle Higashioka, guy you didn't even hit 200 at any point last season, who's kind of in that starting catcher position, and then Ben Rodevert, who they were who they acquired in a deal with the Twins, and another storyline in that is how Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa are going to perform in that trade, especially Donaldson, who's getting up there in age a little bit, um, you know, had has had some up and down years. His, the power numbers have always been there, but is he going to be able to play defense every single day? Is he going to be able to put the ball in play every single day? Are big questions. Um, how Rodebert performs behind the plate. Is he going to be a starting catcher? Do the Yankees believe in him as a starting catcher? Um, Glaber Torres, where is he going to play? Is he going to play? Same thing with DJ LeMahieu. Is Aaron Hicks going to play center field? Um, there, there are so, so many storylines. And um, one reason that there's been so much frustration with this team throughout the offseason is that there are so many question marks in that lineup given off years, on years, the past couple of years, injuries in terms of Aaron Hicks, in terms of Rodebert. Um, and Glaber Torres as well. So so a lot of big storylines, a lot of big question marks. But if this team is fully healthy and every player is back to their 2019-2020 form, then this there's a very good, very, very good lineup. And Eli, you mentioned earlier on this interview about the lockout, the pause, players not able to do a lot of things with the team, if hardly anything at all. How do you think the extended offseason and then this rush, this flurry of roster moves that we've seen over the latter part of March and now as we head into April in the coming days, how do you think that's going to impact player performance, front office performance, and the season as a whole? I think in terms of player performance, guys, um, we didn't really get to see it, but guys really, really were working. They were doing live at-bats. Um, there, there was pretty much no one that wasn't doing live at-bats um, and ramping up their pitch count, ramping up their their at bats in the cage before the lockout ended so as of right now it looks like everyone is on a very good pace guys are at a relatively high pitch count um at the beginning of spring training considering considering that there was a lockout but the front office is is really tough because you don't have those few weeks before the, the obviously two weeks cut out they usually have a mini camp where they get to see guys they're usually in communication with guys and get to see their bullpens how you feeling how you're doing the coaches, you know, travel to watch the guys pitch, travel to watch the guys play during the offseason to get a sense of how they're doing. And with the lockout barred communication, they obviously weren't able to check up on guys and see how they're doing. So what's I think is going to happen is in a couple of days before opening day, that is when we're going to see a huge flurry of even more transactions because that's when guys teams are really going to realize what their opening day roster looks like way too early in camp and we've only got two three weeks left before opening day um there's a lot of guys that haven't even stepped foot on a spring training field there's a lot of very very good free agents still on the market so i'm going to give it those those two for two days before um opening day and the front offices are definitely in a really really tough position obviously not being able to scout not being able to do anything in in that sense um and scouting during spring training is very very tough too so there's there's definitely going to be a little bit of hiccups at the beginning of the season, but after that, I think it's going to go pretty smoothly. Yeah, now let's focus on to the minor leagues, something that you really put some time into over the past few years, and you mentioned the amount of time you spent with the minor league squads down in Tampa. What are some storylines on the farm? you got to start with Anthony Volpe. That's That's got to be the number one storyline in terms of 
you know, a, a guy who went from a first-round pick, and then he, he bounced. He had a pretty tough um, rookie season in 2019, played half a year, got sick, hit 250, didn't really have a great year in, in any sense. And then 2021, he comes out looking like as good of a baseball player as there is, as I've ever seen with my eyes, um, especially in the power department. You never see a guy with, with his size, his physique, hit a ball 450 feet. Um so it's pretty insane, and can he keep up that pace? That's another big storyline, especially since you can argue that the Yankees are going with a sh- uh, stopgap shortstop because of him, because they view him as that that future shortstop for the Yankees. Um, so that's definitely something to follow. Jason Dominguez as well, obviously a top prospect who um, has gotten some of the most hype, maybe I'd say the most hype of, of any prospect ever when he was Signed at 16 years old back in 2019 for a record-breaking $5.1 million out of the Dominican Republic. And he had a little bit of an up-and-down first season last year. Got a half season similar to Volpe. You know, we're looking like this is his year. This is his first full season. He's coming in healthy. He's coming in with an extended offseason. What can he do? Is he going to live up to the hype? That's definitely a big storyline. And then to round it out, the Yankees are docking a little bit on a couple of pitchers at the upper levels, Luis Medina, Luis Hill, uh, Hayden Wesneski, Ken Waldachuk, who are going to potentially move into that starting rotation, maybe um, be some some back-and-forth reliever, starter, um, maybe as soon as the first month of the season. So how those guys are going to perform because – you know, I just I just said you know four or five names. You had Ron Marinaccio to the mix, who was added to the forty man roster. Stephen Ridings, uh, who got some action at the end of last season. All guys who, you know, if they're if they're on this team, could have a really really big impact and starters that could that could be the future of this team. So those are some definitely some storylines to follow. How they feel, how they perform. Yeah. Now let's get to some players and some predictions. Obviously, the state of the Yankees right now in the Bronx, a bit in flux. You're not really sure what to expect from the Bronx Bombers this upcoming season, which could easily transition into the next generation of Yankees moving up quicker than some might expect. Who is the first prospect that you saw down in Tampa that you'll see suiting up in pinstripes? That's tough. I'm going to have to go with Oswaldo Cabrera. He plays second base, shortstop, third base, was the double-A Northeast League MVP last season. Um, Had a tremendous year, a switch hitter with a great glove, speed on the bases, hit a grand slam a couple of days ago in the Yankees' spring training game, which got a lot of fans excited. And they're looking for that utility guy to fill Runet Odor and Tyler Wade's role. And we're talking about a guy that has more power than both of those guys, is as fast, if not faster, than both of those guys, and plays three positions very, very well defensively. Um, if he can continue his success at the minor leagues at the major league level, he's probably going to be on the opening opening day roster, and he might be there with the whole year for the team as as that number one guy off the bench role, which is going to be crucial. Bold prediction there from Eli Fishman, and let's get into some more predictions here. Starting with the minor leagues, who is your minor league MVP prediction for this season? That's tough, but I'm going to have to go with Elijah Dunham. He's an outfielder. Uh, undrafted free agent a couple years ago in that 2020 draft because there was only five rounds. Um, signed with the Yankees out of the University of Indiana. And last year, he had a pretty good year. He hit, I think, 268, uh, um, double-digit homers, um, more than 25 stolen bases. Really, really a well-rounded guy. Good glove, left-handed bat. 
Um, he had he had a solid year last year, reaching high A. He's going to be in Double A this year, and he looked really really good at spring training. Definitely think he's going to have a breakout year, you know, MVP kind of season. And you know, as as we talked about, the Yankees are looking for a center fielder, looking for a left-handed bat, looking for an outfielder, and he's potentially a year away, especially if he has an MVP caliber season. Yeah, my last question for you, moving back up to the big leagues one more time. How do the Yankees do this year? <laughs> it's tough. Um, the, the toughest part of it is there's so many question marks, as we said, and that division. I mean, it's, I feel like you could put the Yankees anywhere from first to fourth in that division right now, um, considering, considering the way the Blue Jays look, the Red Sox look, the Rays every year put together a very, very competitive team. Um, it's, it's tough to see this team winning 90 games. Honestly, considering especially how good this division is, you know, I got to think they they make the playoffs in some shape or form, if even if that's being the third team in the division, which I wouldn't be surprised. And I'll, I might say that's my bold prediction. They win right about 90 games um, and are the third are third in the AL East, but they still get that wild card spot. You heard it here first on WICB Sports Talk from Eli Fishman. Around the 90-game mark, a third-place finish from the New York Yankees. Let's see if we'll have to replay this in October when it's all said and done. Joining me here on Sports Talk with the State of the Yankees, Eli Fishman. Eli, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Of course. For WICB Sports, I'm Matt Sossler. Tobiah, we send it back to you. Thanks, Matt and Eli. And now let's take a look at the upcoming week at Ithaca College. Ithaca women's lacrosse will travel to Rochester on Wednesday to face the Yellow Jackets in a conference matchup before returning to South Hill next weekend for a Liberty League match against Union. The men's and women's crew team open their spring season on Saturday as they compete in the Cayuga Duels. The men will compete against Hobart, Bucknell, and Cornell, while the women's team will face William Smith and Marietta. That will do it for this episode of Sports Talk. A special thanks to General Manager of TV and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, Sports Director, Matt Sossler, our contributors this evening, Jackson Lawrence and Eli Fishman, and Station Manager, Connor Hibbert. Be sure to check out at Bombers Radio Net on Twitter for all the latest news and updates regarding our coverage of Ithaca College Athletics. I'm Tobias Zabori, and have a great rest of your Sunday night. Ithaca Now is coming up next. <laughs>